0: How's it going everybody? Welcome to Catfish on Ice with your host Chad Minton and co-host Max Greenberg. UC Soros goes out and gets the National Predators a win tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. We're giving Told you, you he was still good. Oh come on <laughs> man. Oh there comes Max with the told you so. Told you he was good. good. I told you not to worry. <laughs> Max has got them a couple told you so's he can use tonight, actually. We're going to get into that later. But it's episode 211 of Catfish on Ice. Very excited to have you here. Fun episode we got in store for you tonight as we get to react to a Predators win. And we're going to get into some UC Soros talk. The guy just went out, and I have been more critical of UC Soros than maybe anybody in this fan base, at least that I've come across. But I also call a spade a spade when I see it. And yes, he gave up the penalty shot goal, but he also gave the predators a vintage UC Soros style win. We will talk more about it. We're gonna get Max's thoughts on it as well. We'll do that in the opening face-off. We got to touch on these trade rumblings that dropped on Saturday. We're doing we're recording this podcast on a Sunday night. We are gonna get into this talks that Elliot Friedman first reported on Tyson Berry being allowed to seek trade destinations by the Predators. He's been a healthy scratch the last two games. We really got to dive into that. Again, my awesome co-host Max Greenberg has been pounding his fist on the desk for a while about this. He's wrote an article about it. He's talked about it with me personally, and he called it. So we'll see where that goes. I want to get his thoughts on that. And – we are also introducing a new chapter of Catfish and Ice podcast. We are a Nashville based podcast. We've always covered hockey. We've covered some fun little things outside of hockey every now and then, but it's always been Nashville Predators. It will continue to be Nashville Predators hockey podcast, but we are turning into a duo podcast. We are going to start dipping our toes into the world of the Tennessee Titans. What better time to do that than right now? You see Tennessee Tough banner in the background for Max. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you see Max's background there. He's got both teams he's representing there, the Smashville and the Tennessee Tough, Tennessee Titans. So we are going to start shifting into becoming a National Predators, Tennessee Titans podcast. We're always going to do hockey. Hockey's always going to be our thing, but Max Greenberg – He knows his Titans as well. We want to start talking Titans. I used to write about the Titans when I first got out of college from Middle Tennessee State University. I still watch the Titans. I don't normally give my full opinions on the Titans like I do the Predators because I don't really cover them anymore. But we are about to dip our toes into both of Nashville's professional sports teams when it comes to the Predators and the Titans. Of course, there's many other great teams in the Nashville area as well. We are going to dip our toes into the NFL pool, though. So we are going to do a segment tonight, just a trial run, talking about the Tennessee Titans today and what we watched. I watched the game. I got a chance to watch the Titans today. I know Max did. Max was there in the flesh and blood. Oh, yeah. So we are going to introduce a segment covering the Tennessee Titans. I know a lot of our Predators fans who listen to this podcast through all first 200 episodes and beyond also like their Tennessee Titans. So we're going to start catering to both of our fan bases in that. So we will get into that. And then a little fun, a little lighthearted thing. You know if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, we like to throw in these fun little countdowns, these little lists and whatnot. And we are going to do our top evil head coaches in in movies, in sports movies. So you see this all the time. You see it all the time where people like to rank their top sports movies of all time. It's Christmas season. So people like to rank their Christmas movies, all that fun stuff. I wanted to take it a few steps further. I want to rank my most evil head coaches in sports movies. It's going to wrap up episode two eleven. I don't Max doesn't even know my list. I don't think Chad knows mine either. And I don't think Max is ready for my list. Cause I've got some, I got some curveballs. I got some I got some coaches out of left field, maybe even, not even out of left field, maybe way outside the stadium. So we'll get ready for that. But we are brought to you by DraftKings, promo code THPN. We will tell you later about that. Thank you for joining us again on this Sunday evening, wrapping up a Predators win over the Buffalo Sabres. That's going to be our opening face-off tonight, talking about that game we just watched. And, uh, Max, it felt like a John Hines-esque type yep. of win, no pun intended, and also don't mean to bring up the, the, the bad memory of just a few days ago when the predator Which is a told-you-so
1: moment for you, too, because you said on this podcast that's a, that's a game where we could get in trouble, and by God, did we ever.
0: Yeah, that was rough. That was pretty bad. But we won't dwell on that right now. But Max, I gotta ask you right now, it felt like a John Hines style win. The Predators win two to one. They really, really had to drag this across the finish line after that blazing hot first period. I'll give my thoughts on it. But first, Max, I want to get your thoughts on the overall thoughts on this two-one win by the Predators.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good effort by the team as a whole. You know, first period we came out. You yeah, know, we, we cranked the pressure offensively, got two goals. Forsberg got one right at the faceoff when he got a good shot there. Then Trennan got one a few seconds later, and we kept ramping up the pressure that whole period. Second period, the Sabres kind of started to get, um kind of pick it up a little bit. They got more pressure. It was becoming um kind of clear in that period that, you know, Soros was kind of the reason that, maybe not the reason, but he was one of the big reasons why we were able to stay ahead in that period. And then, you know, third period, I thought we got a little more, some more pressure but still sorrows really that period had to you know make some key saves i can't remember when it was but there was one save it felt like i think he was he felt like he was like at least like turned to the net and he saved it with his pad like it was one it was a yes. crazy save but what really also but the last 5 minutes of the game you know we knew i i tweeted out right before sabers are going to push we're going to see how this um this team can contain them particularly on defense how are we going to be able to um how are we going to be able to hold up? And we did well then, you know, we were, we were swarming around the defensive zone, r- hardly give any shots. And, you know, pucks really weren't getting through the sorrows. You know, we really, you know, it's not, it's not, it's always a, as, as a fan, it's one of those things where you're, your heart's racing 5,000 miles an hour thinking, mm-hmm. Oh my God, when the, if one bounce goes wrong, we're screwed. Like, how is it going to be? But no, the, the guy stood tall and it wasn't pretty. It, it certainly wasn't um, perfect by any means, but overall, you know, I thought it was a really um, good effort by the guys, and it was good to see that after you know yesterday a game that we, I would say, I dare say, almost outplayed the opposition, but we didn't yeah, win. It one Was kind of one of, one of those league. things. How do we top? How do we come yeah. back from that? But I thought we came back tonight with a really spirited effort, and you know, it doesn't we didn't win by a lot, but we did win the game, and I thought it was deserved. Still.
0: So so I mean we know this eighty two game season. It's a grind. It is a absolute grind. To really stay relevant throughout an 82-game NHL season, you have to avoid the long losing streaks. You're going to lose a couple games in a row. Even the best teams in the league are going to lose games they should win. They're going to maybe lose two games in a row here and there. I think tonight's win over the Sabres was important for the Predators and one aspect being you can't let this snowball into another three, four, five yeah, game losing streak. Because then that completely wipes away the six game winning streak that you just yeah. worked so hard to get. So in that regard, this win was really huge. I would argue that this was UC Saros's best start of the year so far. And I know he has a shutout against the Kraken, a 23-save shutout. but it wasn't as good. This, this could be considered a shutout if you don't count the penalty shot um, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even up. think about
1: that. Honestly,
0: I mean, in reality, I mean, if it, if we want to get technical, he Saros did pitch a shutout. It's not his fault that he had to go up against a penalty shot, right. which is not easy for any goaltender to deal with. And I did, I did put out a tweet in the moment, and I want to want to be very, you know, a lot of people who follow me and follow Catfish and Ice also listen to the podcast. So I want to kind of make clear my tweet in the moment. I said that I no longer trust, and I've been saying this for a while, I don't really trust Soros in one-on-one situations anymore. I feel like he gets beat a whole heck of a lot more than he stops one-on-one situations, whether that's in the midst of a game or whether it's a penalty shot. I've And I used to feel really confident when Soros was in those situations. And just going into tonight's penalty shot, my heart sunk. I'm like, he's going to give up this goal. And he did. And it's never an easy situation for a goaltender to be in there. And that penalty shot was due to the Predators' defense getting caught flat-footed, and we've seen that a lot this year, Max. And I know you've seen that as well. Jeremy yep. Lazon takes the penalty. He kind of was in a spot where he had to take the penalty, yeah, I suppose. Did. But that's the only goal the Sabres are able to score tonight. And Soros had to make a lot of really good saves in the moment. He had to deal with a lot of net front traffic locating the puck. He had a vintage UC Soros gem of a game that I've been waiting to see from him all year. So I call it like I see it. Soros he went out and won one for the Predators tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's that's one of those things for a guy like that who's at a shaky season up this point. Um, you know, I will say, you know, his his performance on Thursday, even though the team wasn't good, his performance still itself wasn't good. But, you know, I think games like these are going to go a long way, especially for a guy like that who's known to pick it up as the season goes. You know, I thought, you know, this was certainly a top – if if this wasn't his best performance, then I think it was last Sunday against Winnipeg at home. And it's a good sign that those those um, performances have become so close to each other. And you know, I, th- I think at this point, you know, hopefully he's starting to build some, build some momentum – and become the goaltender that we've all known and expected him to be, and we know how talented he is, and he just needs to start putting it together, and we know he can, and I and I still think he will.
0: And we've talked about this. If the Predators can, have, can develop that one-two punch of having Soros in, in top form along with their evolving and growing and improving offense, they didn't necessarily show up exactly like you would like tonight. They did have that fiery start in the first period where they could have easily – had four goals on the scoreboard going into the first intermission. Lukanen, the goalie for the Sabers, let's go ahead and give that yes. guy a lot of credit as well because he was equally as good as Saros was. Yes. We did have a, ourselves a classic goalie duel in this game. Lukanen was very, very good, yeah, especially uh, in
1: that first period. Absolutely, you know he was he was getting after it too. You know, like you said, there's not really much added. It was it was a classic goaltender battle and not, and Sabers have a look like at they have a bright future and goal with him.
0: I think the Sabers, if you're a Sabers fan right now, you're a little disappointed because you feel like you might be a, you should be a little bit further along in the rebuild because they have done kind of what the Predators are doing right now to a degree. They've gotten super young, don't have a lot of superstars, they don't have a lot of veterans. You look at the Sabers roster, unless you're just a diehard. Um, hockey fan that studies every roster in the league and has the time for that there's a lot of guys on the sabers that you don't know about yeah a lot of unproven players they do have some journeymen and some veterans but they don't have a lot of superstars they have Rasmus Dahlin and and they've got Zach Benson who they just drafted who I really wanted the Predators to draft I remember you were
1: banging the drum over him yeah
0: I really wanted Zach Benson he's a good player but um they don't have a lot of superstars. They're very young. But, you know, the Predators had to come out tonight and protect a two-goal lead that they have not proven on a consistent basis right. that they can hold. So, tonight they passed the test, thanks to Soros, yep. and they did have some good defensive structure down there at the end. I thought Ryan O'Reilly had a really great game. Oh, my he, God. He, dude, he was have everywhere two goals. Everywhere.
1: He and he didn't get in his the stats didn't really show it. He might have gotten one assist on that force goal since he won the faceoff, but he was he was everywhere. Absolutely can't can't agree more with that one.
0: Yeah, he didn't show up in the box score in terms of goal or assist, but he definitely made a massive impact on this game. He does all oh, yeah. the little things that go unnoticed sometimes. But Ryan O'Reilly was outstanding. Lindsay is in the comments from YouTube. She yep. says Max, Max and Chad, hello friends. Hello, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us on the Sunday night. We're we're definitely recording on a night that we don't normally record. But Absolutely. as I've said in the past, we have busy lives. We figure out any way we can get this podcast out to you. Right. So tonight worked out well for us. Um, all right. So let's move along in, in in reacting to this game. The Preds are now at five hundred twelve and twelve. And uh, Max, let's look at the standings right now. I know it's early, but you got to look at them yeah. and. If you look at the Central Division right now, you've got, you've got five teams separated by seven points. Um, but it's kind of what's happening right now in the Central Division is very much kind of what we expected to happen. That da- Dallas and Colorado are kind of yep. setting themselves apart from the pack. Yep. No surprises there, no surprises. And then you've got everybody else, the mucky middle. You've got everyone else going back and forth. You got Winnipeg at 28 points, you got Arizona at 26, St. Louis at 25, and now with Nashville winning tonight, they're at 24. So I mean, everyone is just like mucked up in the middle. The only big surprise I
1: see in the division is flip is that I I would have before the season I would have flipped a Minnesota and Arizona.
0: Yeah.
1: We still got some games that really are
0: planned. We still got some games that are in progress. Kings and Avalanche are actually the only game in progress, my bet. Uh, they are late in the third period, and it's tied one-to-one. That's a really good game we got going on there. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that game as we're recording. Other scores of note, the Rangers have to score six goals to beat the Sharks. They beat the Sharks 6-5. That's yeah, a kind of a surprise. And how about those Minnesota Wild under John Hines? They win again. They beat the Blackhawks four-to-one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe all maybe the wild really just did need a calming presence in that locker room. I
0: mean, Seems they've been on a tear way. since then. Seems that way looking at the box score between Preds and Sabers as the Preds went 2 to 1, shots on goal 35 to 29. Kind of crazy yeah. that the Sabers overtook that shot total cuz that's not how the game was shaping up early, but they the Sabres really put it to the Predators, especially late in the third period. The Predators were treading water. They were waiting for that clock to expire. They weren't putting up a lot of high-danger chances. The Predators do end up winning the high-danger chance total in this game, but a lot of that came from that first period. Yep.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, the, it was, again, it was, like you said, classic John Hines game where you just had the battle to the end and it turned into a kind of defensive goalie battle. One of those quick, what's one of those games ugly wins. Sometimes you win that way, though. You do.
0: And they all count the same. Your assists yep. come from Colton Sissons and Cole Smith. So Colton Sissons continues to find ways to get in the box score. So O'Reilly so, doesn't
1: even get an assist on that I goal for know, winning the face. He off. should
0: have. Also, yeah. let's talk about this for a second. And I really didn't notice this and realize this until kind of in the third period. But the refs really let these two teams play tonight.
1: Yeah, they were kind of going out, especially in the, one The example I saw of that was in the first period, I believe. Um, I don't know how closely the Sabres broadcast zoomed in on it, but um, Kiefer Sherwood was getting into it someone, And Sherwood at the very end had nothing just kind of took him down and clearly not legally. He took him down with I guess he kind of had his skates wrapped and he just then he just kind of took him down to the ground. It was kind of a weird deal, but the refs let it go. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It was. Yeah, it was that was that was one where I could definitely see they were just kind of just letting it play.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're looking. You look at the total penalty minutes: four penalty minutes for the for the Sabers, two penalty minutes for the Predators, and the one power play goes to the Predators. The Sabers don't get one power play in this game. Uh, you had some offsetting penalties, but other than that, yeah, oh yeah, were there was the a only four. And four. Team. That's correct. Yep, the Predators were the only team, and I kept waiting for it as the third period kept winding away. And the Predators were clinging on to that one goal lead. I kept waiting for that phantom penalty to go against the Predators and give the Sabers a power play, and then they tied it too. I was just, I was waiting for it. I was, I was trying to prepare myself because I was seeing that the Sabers had not been on the power play yet, and I was worrying that the that the refs were just looking for some reason to throw to call a penalty and put the sabers on the power play and it never came it never happened i never want to see a referee just throw a penalty out there just for the oh, heck of it but they let him play there was a it was a lot of moving action and not a lot of penalties it was kind of fun to watch a game like that to be quite honest
1: yeah i honestly didn't, i honestly it didn't really hit me till you brought it up how just few penalties were called i, I honestly didn't realize it was literally six penalty minutes total and of course the sabers would have gotten a power play had that Penalty—the penalty shot, you know, not happen, which of course it was still a penalty. But yeah, I—I—I hadn't I, I, I really realized till the end until you just brought it up how few penalty minutes there were. So yeah, it was—it literally was just one of those games.
0: For sure, you look at Saros; he ends up saving goals above expected. He saves two goals above expected. So again, that's one of my key categories I always look at for a goaltender's performance. Really strong game for Saros. If you look at the expected goals for the Predators had nearly four expected goals for the Sabres had right at three expected goals for. So both goaltenders, Lukanen and Soros had gems of a game. That's why you're seeing that two to one final score. Um, and if you really want to count it, like you want to count it, Soros pitched a shutout. All he gave up was a penalty shot goal. Um, also looking at it, some other things I want to touch on from this game Um a little bit more negative, but I feel like we have to talk about it because me and me and Max have talked about it the last two episodes. Luke Shen does not fit with this team right now.
1: No, not not at all. He's, you know, number one. You know, he's way slower than everyone, and it's you know not great in a system like Andrew Brunette's where you're constantly skating up and down the ice, and we can, that's kind of something we all, we all knew that was going to happen. You know, just him being a bigger guy, you're naturally going to be slower. But it's not even just that; it's just like that he's turned the puck over a lot of times. I mean, maybe it's just may, And maybe what I'm about to say here is me being critical because it's Shen and I, and my radar is way up whenever he is the puck on his stick. But it seems like I, I always feel, and I don't know how, if you'll feel this way, Chad, it feels like whenever he has the puck in the defensive zone, a lot of times it feels like he's either indecisive or just playing with it too much or even, you know, just clear the puck or to someone. He's, it feels like he's never making the right decision with the pocket. And, and, and there's, you know, there was a um a goal the other night, and in the game against Minnesota, where he literally turned it over, it sprung a breakaway, he nearly had him right in front of Soros tonight. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where you know we we knew he wasn't necessarily a fit, and we all knew the contract was an overpay. But man, he's it, it's not good. It's it's not good.
0: What I see from Luke Shen right now is is kind of what you're touching on. I see indecisiveness, but I also see that he's just not comfortable. Yeah, with this exactly. team like he hasn't gotten acclimated he's not in with the chemistry I saw at least just off the top of my head I saw at least two really bad defensive zone turnovers one came really late in the game when the Sabres were pressing for that tying goal and Saros had to step up and make a big save but at least two maybe three really bad defensive zone turnovers by Luke Shen and I'm not trying to come down hard on the guy because he's a Stanley Cup champion he's proven everything he needs to prove in this league. All I'm trying to say is he doesn't look like he fits with this team right now. The problem is Alexander Carrier is out. So that makes it really hard. And you almost have to lean on him right now. And then Tyson Berry is a healthy scratch, which we're about to get into because he's on the trade block. So it tells me we better get used to it. And hopefully Luke Shen can continue to get more comfortable and find his role but he did not he has not looked comfortable since he's come into the back into the lineup and he only played one game before he got hurt the season opener so so far not looking great luke shen and the predators but again it's very early in his predators career i feel like we're kind of stuck with him for right now as bad as that sounds but so let's hope it gets better but not a particularly strong game,
1: no, no, no not, not at all. And no, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's really been any point. I mean, of course, the sample size is very tiny, even for this year, but I don't think there's really been a point out there that I've seen where I've been like, wow, Luke Shen looks really strong out there. Is this hasn't and, and
0: like, and like I've said, his biggest value to this team is on the penalty kill. where the Predators didn't have to kill a penalty tonight, so we didn't really get to see him in that regard, but yeah. either way. That's tough right there. Philip Forsberg gets a goal. So he gets back on the scoring ways for him. 13th goal of the year. A really, both Pred's goals tonight were um, kind of sneaky goals. And that's kind of yeah. how you had to score on Lukanen tonight. He was seeing the puck, he was locked in. You weren't going to really trick him too easily. And Forsberg's goal was right off a faceoff win, as we were talking about, where we yep. thought Ryan O'Reilly should have probably gotten the assist but another really accurate wrister type of shot by Forsberg where he just pinpoints it, puts it right past the goalie. He's perfected that type of art. That's why he's, he's he's hunting. He's hunting for those goals every game. And that's why he's got 13 goals on the year already. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's just, like you say, right shot, right, right place, right time kind of thing. And it was just like a very heat of the moment. Once the puck was on his stick, it was off then right in the goal. And, like you said, also, it was one of those games where you had to really make it tough on Lukanen to get a goal, and the other goal was Trenton parked right in front, and Lukonen never saw it at all. You just had to work hard to get these goals, and luckily the Preds did
0: what they had to do. Another player I really want to give credit to that maybe didn't show up in the box score that much, and maybe you had to watch the game to see it. And, you know, we record this podcast for people who maybe didn't get a chance to watch the game, and they want to get caught up on what happened. So for those folks... Also want to tell you what I saw when it came to a new uh, call-up into the lineup tonight, and that's our old friend Mark Jankowski, a player I have a lot of respect for, a player that I think – the type of player that I think gets so undervalued in every organization, every organization, at least every good organization, has a player like Mark Jankowski that you can count on a player that you can call up and maybe he's more of an AHL type of player for his career. Maybe, but when you have to in an 82 grind game grind of a season, you can call on Mark Jankowski. And he, I really loved watching him play tonight. The dude plays so hard. He makes the most of every second. He is on the ice really liked what I saw out of him. He could, he had one moment where he really came close to scoring a goal in the slot. Um, really aggressive out there, makes the most of his time. So I feel really good about Mark Jankowski being in there when they need him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I talked about this the other night with Michael McCarron, just guys that, you know, you people, the guys who get overlooked all the time, people kind of tend to poo poo these players a little bit saying, you know, they're not, oh, they're, they're just fourth line grinders. They're, they're not anyone you, they're not great. Well, of course not, but guys like that still have a purpose in this league and, Guys, who you're gonna need, like you say, eighty-two grind, eighty-two game grind of a season, where you know, obviously, not everyone's gonna stay healthy through the, throughout the year, and this guys that you know are gonna be good in flashes here and there, who you need, who i um, at least guys who can play. And Jenkowski, whenever he's on the ice, he seems like you know, I wouldn't say always, but he's he's getting in there and he's working hard. Like early in the game tonight, he he got a shot early on and he's. There's really n- no complaints anyone I think thinking really have about Jankowski. And I and he was ap- and he was the um, person I was gonna think to call up. I tweeted the other night if um because I right when um the end of the Minnesota game where, where everyone's kinda like, okay, the Preds cannot go back to this uh, um set eleven forward seven defenseman. Yeah, I was like, guys so it, it's not. And I, I was like, look, if foodie's if foodie's not gonna play, which it's kind of been proven at this point, foodie's not gonna be a regular in the lineup anymore, I thought If you don't want him playing, then call up Jankowski. And sure enough, he comes right back in.
0: You look at your shot on goal leaders for this game, Ryan O'Reilly with five, and then Gustav Nyquist and Mark Jankowski with four apiece. So going into tonight's game, would you have ever guessed that Mark Jankowski was going to have more shots on goal than Philip Forsberg? Probably not. Probably not, no.
1: (laughs) You (laughs) could have won a lot of money.
0: If you if you would have called your shot and thrown down ten dollars on Mark Jankowski having more shots on goal than Philip Forsberg, you could have brought back a pretty penny. But unfortunately, no one did that. I don't think.
1: Yeah, and I and no one <laughs> should have done that. To be totally honest,
0: <laughs> but yeah, a, a really solid game from Mark Jankowski yep. and just t- not even thirteen minutes of ice time, but he made the most of it. So we'll have oh, to yeah. see if he sticks around in the lineup or not. Um, I would assume that based on how he played tonight that we'll see Mark Jankowski out there again against Chicago in the next game. So we'll wait and see how that goes. But yeah, we're waiting for Cody Glass to come back. We're waiting for Tommy Novak to come back to really solidify the Preds uh, forward lineup again. And then, of course, with Alexander Carrier being out for an unforeseen amount of time, that really rattles the defense so that actually takes us to our next segment here of Catfish and Ice episode 211 with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. And that is the big news that dropped on Saturday ahead of the matchup with the New York Rangers, which the Predators had every chance to win that game. They they raced out to another multi-goal lead and just couldn't hold it against the league's, but one of the league's best teams. But we won't dwell on that, but let's get to it here. Tyson Berry, something we've been speculating for a while on Catfish and Ice is finally official. He is on the trade block. The Predators are giving him the opportunity to seek a trade. He's been healthy scratch the last two games. We've always called the Preds D-Corps a numbers game, and there's not enough room for everybody. So why not get value out of Tyson Berry, even if it's not that much? Get value out of him while you can, because you're probably not going to re-sign him in the 2024 offseason. So Max, kind of expand on that and, Tell us why you predicted it and thought it was going to happen, and where do you see this going from here as far as trade trade offerings from other teams? What does this mean for the Predators moving forward?
1: Yeah, I I will say first of all, I think the timing is a little bit weird. Um, You know, I think this point with the carry injury, I thought you know they'd probably ride out a little more, especially with how bad Luke Shens played. But you know, you 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 have to think you know guys like Spencer Sasson have come up and played well. Um, Mark Del geizo has played well when he's been in the lineup and the just have, and you also got to think that, you know, back in the minors, we have Jake Livingstone who got a chance at the end of last year and did all right. And he's going to, and he might even get a few games this year towards the end or whenever that is. And, you know, again, you know, it's a little weird at this point, but it's definitely something I, you know, very much, and I wouldn't say very much anticipated, but I thought very very much is something that the Preds should at least look into. Because, you know, number one, he is a free agent at the end of next year. You're not going to re-sign him. But look at who else is in the lineup right now. you got McDonough and Yossi in your top pairing. And, the you know, um, the Preds have kind of shown at this point. They like that as their top pairing, even though they're both left-handed guys. Yossi can play on the right side no problem, it seems like, especially with his two-way game. So that's going to be good. And then ahead of that, you know, you got, Dante Fabro, who I've been very comp- complimentary of this year, he's finally gotten back in the lineup, as he should, and he's done well, as he's done in the past few games, in the games beforehand. So he should be a regular going forward. Um, Alex Alexander Carrier, obviously, we want him in there. So for all intents and purposes, with Yossi, Carrier, and Fabro, that's like the the entire right side. Then, and obviously, and then on the left side, the final two guys, you got got... Um, Jeremy Lozon, who this year has probably been I mean, at this point, I would not even say probably. This has been his best year so far in a Preds uniform. I thought he yeah. I thought he's been playing pretty solid so far this year. And then of course you've got Spencer Stasny, who you just um who you've just called up recently and he's done really well. And then that's not even mentioned Luke Shen, who when Carrie comes back, I assume Shen is probably gonna be that rotational defenseman, even though it's a lot of money to be paying for a rotational defenseman, but Okay, so we don't and we don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, I've certainly been wrong on my predictions on how the defense will turn out or how any position group will turn out. But, but all that to say is, you got not counting Barry, you got seven guys who are on this roster right now, and they're NHL caliber players, or at least in theory they are. That's yes. and then that's not even mentioning what you got in the minors with um dealt with Mark Delgado, well, yeah. Um, jake livingstone hecking me and people even talk about luke prokop i must admit i don't really know
0: I'm and no even further down the road even further down the road there's really high regards for their draft pick from this past year Taylor oh, yeah, yeah yeah exactly and jake livingstone just, mark delga i mean you've got a lot of deck chairs to 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 sort out here why would you keep tyson berry on who's yeah. not your long-term future i agree with you max it is kind of weird timing but better late than never. I don't, if oh, yeah. and I think right now all they're doing is they're assessing the market. Yeah. What's weird is what makes this whole situation kind of weird is healthy scratching Barry when he can give you value right now, this well, early that, in the season. That, uh, That's that probably, the weird part of it.
1: And that tells me, you know, that, that tells me, and of course nothing's happened yet, as in who knows if something happens while we're recording, it very well could, but that tells me they the press want to get this done. Sooner rather than later. It also tells me that if you're a Preds fan, don't expect any sort of crazy return coming. Mate, you'd be lucky, I think, if you got two draft picks for it, honestly, because the Preds are based, they're, they're showing their hand. They're saying,
0: look, we've got too many guys. We can't play them all. And Well, also, given- okay. I will say this too, though. I agree yeah. with you, but I think they also are assessing the market to see if they maybe can get a team who is a little bit more willing to overreach for a Barry than maybe we would think. You know, what do they say in the whole business? What do they say whenever um, you're selling something in anything in the world? They say, well, it's worth as much as whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And so when it comes to Tyson Barry, you don't know. There might be a GM out there who really likes Tyson Barry and is willing to overgive for a prospect that maybe – they don't have room for. I mean, it could happen. I agree with you that his value is not super high, and especially with his cap hit. What is it, $4.5 Uh
1: No, I think it's actually like three point something. Okay. Either way, it's one year. So it's not like I that thought
0: really I saw $4.5 I can look it up a little bit later. Either Maybe way, you're right. I,
1: I honestly don't know for sure.
0: And he's a rental. Anyone who trades for him, they're renting him for this year with yeah. the probability of losing him in the offseason. And is Tyson Berry really. A big time rental type of player at this point in his no. career, probably not. So I mean, there's a
1: re- there's a reason he was traded last year as part of the Ekholm trade,
0: which still had a first round pick and more assets along with it. I'll take a couple of draft picks out of it, honestly, because at this point, does he make you that much better of a team with no. where you're at right now to keep to not trade not, him? Not, not and the breads, him, not, no. not the breads, because no, no, he's been stuck
1: no. in the third pairing all year. And I do like well, the guy. Mention, a, like, if you look at his underlying analytics and numbers, they've been pretty bad this year.
0: Yeah, and on and I think the the biggest loss you take from losing Tyson Berry is his locker room present, his intangibles. Yeah. His uh, he's a great teammate. He's a great. Obviously, he's an awesome person for the community. That's what you lose the most yeah. out of losing a Tyson Berry. But unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily win you Stanley Cups or yeah. set you up for winning a Stanley Cup, not this year necessarily, obviously, but years down the road, which is what the Predators are trying to work themselves towards. Obviously, Tyson Berry is not part of your long-term future past 2024 offseason. So this is pretty obvious. This is yeah. riding on the wall. I would not be surprised at all if Tyson Berry is traded within the next week.
1: It could be It could be in the next hour for all we know. I mean, I don't, because, you know, I just hope it. I mean, seriously, I mean, I just hope it's not a situation with the Preds where the, several teams at the deadline would scratch, would scratch players for a week saying, oh, we're going to trade this guy. But when the Preds don't hold were, him hostage,
0: don't hold him yeah, hostage. No, like, the yeah, no, like last year.
1: I know technically it was under, you know, different because John Hines was a coach and technically Ploy was a GM. But last year, if you recall, it was a game against the Coyotes where Tanner Janot was scratched to trade reasons. He was traded like literally hours later, and I so I, I don't think the Preds are gonna are gonna hold Tyson Berry hostage. I very much expect it to be within the next few days. It, it should, and I'm and I will say you know the timing is weird with the carry injury, but I'm also gonna say glad they're not wasting anyone's time here. If you if you know you're gonna make the move, it's only fair to the team and player in question. Just get it over with because it's the It's the right thing to do for everyone involved. You don't want to, you don't want to, if you know you're going to trade him, you don't want to hold him just for the benefit of the team when you you know it's gonna be fairly inconsequential either way. Because he's
0: not a caliber player that should be healthy scratched under normal circumstances. Absolutely is he he a top caliber, top-tier player like he was in his prime anymore? No, but he's definitely should not be getting healthy scratched under normal circumstances. So here's where it might get kind of weird though. What happens if they can't come together on a trade partner? Do you put him back in the lineup then and then let him play and then you get closer to the trade deadline, which we're still three months away from, and then you retest it again? Because that's going to be weird for mentally speaking. That would be really weird just thinking if I put myself in the shoes of Tyson Berry. That would be really weird to be yanked out of the line of, hey, we're trading you, start looking for trade partners. Oh, sorry, dude, we didn't find anybody that gave us anything we wanted. So, hey, you're back in the lineup now. Go play hockey for us and win games for us. That'd be kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Well, let me just say, I will preface preface what I about to say by saying, I don't think that is going to happen. I certainly think there's a team out there that if nothing else would trade a seventh rounder for one year, Barry. Oh. oh. Well, but
0: are the Predators willing to take a seventh round pick this early? Well, or, that because – Let's think about it from Barry Trotz's perspective. You got three months to figure out a way to trade Tyson Barry. It's not like you have to trade him, right? It's not the trade deadline's next week. So if it's inevitable that you're gonna trade him at some point, you if you're Barry Trotz, you can you can actually wait this out a little bit and wait because guess what? More injuries are gonna happen in the next three months. More dif- different things are going to happen. The standings, what we see them today, are going to be completely different in three months. As you get closer to that trade deadline, more teams get more desperate to find a defenseman that can maybe be a Tyson Berry, and maybe his value goes up a little bit, takes up a little bit. So, I, I mean, even though the Preds have showed their cards and they, they've they shown that, they yeah, they want to trade him, I don't think they have to rush into it necessarily. I just think it does make it weird for the player, that being Berry. If they do put him back into the lineup after scratching him for two games. So I'm with you, Max. I think we probably should see something in the next week. But if they don't, then it could be a weird situation.
1: And what you said is the reason why I say, you know, expect the Preds to barely get anything returned because they don't have to put him on they don't have to put them on the trade block right now. They can easily hold him for another few months, especially with the carry injury. They could easily say, okay, they could easily, you know, cancel the plans they had to You know, try and trade them if they really wanted to, but they're not doing that. There's they're giving information to talk to other teams. And that's why I'm saying right now they're completely showing their hand. And I don't think any other team is going to, I mean, of course, it's by situation, but I don't think any other team is going to be giving up a huge sum from when they all but know the Preds are going to get rid of them because they're just at a point where they have to do it. And that's why, you know, I'm one, one thing I was gonna say is I and I hope it doesn't come down to this, because the Preds certainly should be able to come get, if nothing else, a seventh rounder in return. But my my thought is if in the event they really, really could not find um anyone, you know, Tyson Barry's career with the Preds at this for all intents and purposes at this point, with him being put on the block is pretty much over. So I would say there's a non-zero chance if really nothing can be gotten for him. They're I would say he either be like waived or his contract gets terminated if nothing else. Mm. Because the preds are the preds have pretty much they not pretty much they completely said we're not planning for this guy to be on our team anymore. And they have yeah. plenty, and they have reasons to play him. There there are reasons
0: he should be on the ice and they're choosing not to play him. I mean power play if nothing else. I mean Tyson Berry you're literally healthy scratching a guy who helps your power play. So Obviously, they're very intent on trading him right now. Otherwise, otherwise, they would not be healthy scratching him. And that's why I'm I'm saying the Preds are going to. That's
1: why I'm saying people expect the Preds to to sell low. Don't yes. Don't 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 be hoping for like a pick a prospect. Get get that out of
0: your heads right now. I can hope whatever I want to hope for. It's the Christmas season. You can hope
1: whatever you want, but. Don't 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 come blaming me when you're like, oh, he, they didn't get anything. Why didn't you say this? I'm like, I'll be like, guys, I told you he wouldn't get Tyson, much how
0: about this? Tyson Berry for Connor Bedard. We'll throw in Cole Smith. There we go. That now you're talking.
1: <laughs> there, there you're talking. Hey, we'll 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 give him we'll we'll give him Kiefer Sherwood to someone
0: while they're at it. No. <laughs> I like Cole Smith actually. He's been impressing me a lot, but he's just an easy joke. He's low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. Um okay. There it is. All right, good stuff there from Max. Max has been calling, he's been all on top of it. I've talked to him months before this podcast tonight and he's he's called it very well. So, let's see what happens here um as the week unfolds or as this episode unfolds. Like Max just said, it could yeah. I mean, I don't see a lot of big trades happening late on a Sunday, but we'll see. All right, let's move know. on with let's move on with episode 211 of Catfish on Ice. Preds just beat the Sabres 2 to 1. They're back to 512 12 12-12-0 on the season. No overtime losses this year yet, which is kind of surprising. 24 games. Wow. They've gone to some overtime games, but they've won those overtime games. It's crazy. Um, I will say those regulation wins really do matter in tie-breaking scenarios. So keep an eye on that. Regulation overtime wins. About. Yes. So we'll keep an eye on that. But let's tell you about our sponsor, DraftKings, with our promo code THPN. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook and coming to you this Monday with some really big NHL matchups that you can use the DraftKings Sportsbook app for tomorrow. Dallas Stars at the Tampa Bay Lightning. You got a really close matchup, according to DraftKings, on that one. Penguins at the Flyers Battle of the Pennsylvania Teams. You got the Penguins as a favorite on the road. You got the Hurricanes at the Winnipeg Jets close matchup there but they got the Hurricanes as the favorites, Kraken at the Canadians, Capitals at the Coyotes and the Blues at the Golden Knights with the Golden Knights being heavy heavy favorites over the St. Louis Blues. So do that what you will with our Sports DraftKings Sportsbook app for the Monday NHL action. Download the app now and use code thV and new customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for just for betting. Just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call eight call 877-78-HOPENY or text HOPENY. That's 467 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 878 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21. Plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com/slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League copyright NHL 2023 All Rights reserved. All right, so we are about to get into a – we're going to shift sports here for the first time on Catfish Nights. We've touched on Titans in the past here and there, just like lightly, but never done a segment on the Titans. Yeah. I've got a chance to watch the Tennessee Titans today. Gotten to watch them a few times this year, actually. And I'm a Titans fan. I'm Nashville through and through, native. Oh, Max, you write about the Titans for Titans yep. side on the fan side of the network. I know you know your Titans. Um, let me just preface this by saying that I've been I didn't think the Titans were necessarily a Super Bowl team this year, but they've been a pretty big disappointment. Pretty bad. If you're comparing them to the Predators because it's easy to do because they're both Nashville-based teams, my ex, my preseason expectations for the Predators were way lower than they were for the Titans. Is that fair to say? I would say yeah, but like
1: there, there the thing with the Titans was like you know everyone you know we we you know it's a fancy. I think you know one thing I've kind of realized you know with supporting teams like the Titans and Preds and other other teams, you know our fan expectations of the teams we know are going to be higher naturally because you know. You know, we know the teams better and you know, we and you know, we know a lot of these players, you know, more and their strengths more than you know, a lot of other a lot of the fans doing stuff. But, you know, the Titans were, you know, one of those teams that, you know, they had a lot, they had potential to be good, but you know, everything had to go right for them to really be good. And it hasn't been that way at all. You know, there have been some players disappointing and, you know, and there's just and we you know, one area of the team that, you know, had to really be improved for this team to really go anywhere was the offensive line. And that's not been at all. It's been a complete mess for most of the year. And, you know, and, you know, with and, you know, it got Ryan Tannehill injured, although he wasn't really having a good year beforehand. You know, we kind of, you know, this year I think was definitely the one year where he really had a really down, down year, you know, you know, his first year under contract was good. Second year, not as good. He kind of bounced back last year, even though like the, even though it may not seem like it, though I thought Tannehill last year had an, had an efficient year. This year, mm-hmm. it wasn't good at all. And you know, the that the offensive line, everything. And by the time the trade deadline rolled around for the NFL, the Titans you know, were pretty much out of it. They traded Kevin Byard, and that was the nail in the coffin on the season. Um, Titans admitting, yeah, we don't view this team. The tit- if the Titans had any ex- and the Titans had any belief that you know they were going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl, they would not have traded Byard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. For the Titans, I really, it's,
0: I mean, for me, I really like Will Levis and what he's doing, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do too. He's got but a gun at the same time, he's arm. a
1: rookie, and he doesn't have like a ton of help. You know, what's what's crazy is one this is the year that we, you know, we, the Titans people have always joked about the Titans and you know, them getting old receivers past their prime and all that. And happened with Julio Jones, he didn't do well, obviously. The Randy Moss and Andre Johnson <laughs> signings, oh, they wow. weren't they weren't good, although that was those were completely different circumstances. but... DeAndre Hopkins this year has been as advertised and, but pretty much every, pretty much everything around everything else pretty much sucks. And so, okay, actually to answer your original question, Chad, about the team disappointing expectations. Here's the one thing I did not see coming, but we've seen exposed over the year. The defense has not been as good this year as it was in the previous two years. And, you know, we and you know, whole offseason, we had heard, yeah, the defense can be pretty good. The front four is the strength of this team by far. They can still stop the run. The secondary has some pieces that have talent, if everything goes right for them, they could be good. But, but especially the thing the was, secondary. the secondary is a, is
0: a, the, the, the secondary for the Titans is a travesty.
1: Oh, it's just so bad. But here's the thing, especially in this is especially with the, with the pass rush because the past two years, Jim Schwartz was on the Titans, and that he was a guy who was really believed to have a heavy hand in the pass rush. And he was here. But then he left this year to the beat to be the defensive coordinator at Cleveland. And mm-hmm. I think this year with the defense, because you've seen a lot more, they're missing tackles way more. The pass rush has not been nearly as consistent. the even the run defense has not been nearly as consistent. I think you're really seeing that this team is missing Jim Schwartz badly because. Yeah. Nothing nothing on the defense has been anywhere near as good without him.
0: And you saw that I was watching this game against the Colts today, and the offense actually moved the ball today, which I know the Titans have been a mess offensively. And then this game was just a circus all the way around. I mean, yeah. you see the you see the punter There's go so much out. Stuff on. You see the Titans punter get first of all, let me ask you this, Max. Maybe you can help me. I really wanted to run into the punter penalty on that, but I guess the guy hit the ball before he hit him. And that's all all that
1: matters. That's all that matters.
0: And so then the Titans have to call in their kicker, their place kicker to kick punts. It's his first career punt. Uh, Nick Folk, who's been kicking field goals a long time in this league, but first career punt. I actually thought it was a pretty good punt. Yeah. He had like two punts. And here's the,
1: and that's like that's like really the only area, and I'm not gonna go into a slight and rant he, here. And then he
0: shanks a, but then he shanks the extra point.
1: Well, I'm about to get into, uh, that. To get Hill into that. holding. Well,
0: I'm about, yeah, into,
1: that. I'm about to get into, I'm about to get, I'm about to get into the special teams debacle right oh, here. Oh my gosh! This yeah. the only, that's the only area of today where I'm like, okay, this guy. And again, we when we when we say that people need to be fired, a lot of times you know it's heat of the moment stuff, but. Craig Ackerman's special teams units have not been good for years. And Easton Freeze, who's a um, media guy for the Titans, and he's also throwing out takes and all that. I think he's really good. He put out something today. Here, this tweet that said the Colts beat the Titans in this one because of special teams. All told, Indy scored eight more points as a direct as a direct result of their special teams than Tennessee did. Six points off the first block punt. Three points off the second block point punt. They were two punts. They were two block punts in a row they get Titans gave away one point on the missed extra point that Tannehill was holding because Ryan Stonehouse wasn't in the game. And in that hold, I, I, I literally remember during that kick, I'm like, Tannehill, please do, don't do mess up this hold. The laces better be out. And the laces were in. The laces were in. And so I is what it looked like. It's like. I definitely saw some white on the football from from where I was with the way it was being held. When I think game, the places
0: when, were... when this game, so when this game went to overtime, I was making jokes with the people I was watching this game with um saying how what kind of irony, thick irony would this be if the Titans end up winning this game on a game-winning field goal that Ryan Tannehill is the holder and as he's now the backup. And you they know, got another and backup. they got another chance. They did get another chance. Yeah. Um I mean that last overtime drive, man, if they could have punched it into the end zone, but they have to kick the field goal. And then the, so it doesn't end the game. The Colts get the ball and then they just they go deep on that. What we just said, Titans secondary is just a, a nightmare. Yeah. Just so bad. I mean, they've I missed on, want... how how many draft picks have the Titans missed when it comes to cornerbacks? It's it's a lot. I mean, I, and I was so ex- I was so hyped about Christian Fulton when they first drafted him, the LSU product. And he was and, good for the. And he was good for uh, the first
1: few years, but like this year has been, oh, it's been so bad. I don't know, but anyway. And I also want to say something because I'm sure you saw the um the play where Sean Murphy Bunting got burned towards the end when yeah. I got the Colts into. I also yeah. want, did you see? Did and you see?
0: He had a But did you see?
1: Did you see at after the game those those people who were in Sean Murphy Bunting's DMs? No, I didn't so some so i'm not going to go into what was said because it was some awful things but two guys dm sean murphy bunting after the game basically saying some terrible things just wishing terrible things had happened to him and, and he posted on his instagram he posted them and it's like guys there's no need for any of that anywhere of course not. these guys are still not. humans they tr- they're I mean, it's like people think are the not they're, they're doing everything he, they can, and Sean and, and Sean took the and he took accountability after the game. He's like, "Yeah, that was on me completely. I got burned." It'd be one thing if he's like, it "Oh, happens. Oh, whatever." But like, I didn't was it was this or that. But he's like, "Yeah, I got burned on that play." He took responsibility for it, and then people in his um, DMs just wishing harm on him. It's like, guys, if that's what you're doing, I, I'm Chad and I are people that get as passionate as anyone when it comes to our sports and we have reactions, all things, but if you're wishing mm-hmm. harm, especially physical harm on a player after a game anywhere, get a life. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, you couldn't say it any better than that, Max. Get a life. Yeah, I mean, definitely. it was, it was, it was despicable. What was that to Sean Murphy bunting and hope, I really hope he's not being too hard on himself. And, and I'm, I was glad to see, you know, Lots of Titans fans on Twitter were coming out in defense of him. I was really glad to see that. But, man, it's just – people got to realize that if you're – especially because, you know, it's hard to – it's one of those things where it's really – you never really want to DM an athlete. But if you're going to do that, only say good things. Never DM an athlete bad things. And a lot of times they'll never open those things. But, anyway, just you got to be careful what you're saying – about alone about these players let alone to them it's just there there was no excuse what was said to sean murphy bunting day and again i really hope he's not being too hard on himself for everything that happened
0: yeah I, I don't have any room for people for fans who waste their time getting into dms and wishing harm on people over a game yeah, was, um yeah that stuff gets ridiculous for sure and it's uh couldn't say any better max as far as just get a life and and maybe you should look back at your own self yeah when you're when you're getting into someone – like like you're acting like the guy threw the game on purpose or something. Yeah, of but, course. Um, I mean. You know, when it comes to the Titans, um, the way the rest of this season looks for me is obviously I don't want them to tank or lose games on purpose. But, I mean, this is all about the growth of this team. Yeah, yeah. the Predators have been in that same boat for a while now. So, it's like we're, we're dealing with both of our main sports teams in Nashville right now kind of going through the same process right now. I think the Titans are way behind the process than the, the Predators are further along in that process than the Titans are. But um, we got more Titans topics in the future. I don't want to ask all my Titans questions to Max in one episode, but I've got, I have got—I want to ask him in future episodes about Mike Vrabel, what he thinks about him. We're going to save it. We're going to save it. we got plenty of time in future episodes to talk Titans. It's going to be a new weekly um, segment on the show. We're going to start transitioning into being – a predators titans podcast but until we get to there max let's let's keep i know you got so much to say right now can i say
1: one more thing absolutely one more thing i will say towards i will say
0: i was very very proud of the
1: team's fight today considering what happened to the team jeffrey simmons injured and thankfully report came out looks like he's going to be okay ryan stonehouse injured in an ugly collision i prayers to him that looked bad i'm not if you really want to see, it, I'm not going to talk about it say if you want to see it, go watch it, but wishing the best for him, but you lost him, you lost Derrick Henry evaluated for a concussion. So hope he's yeah, always he right. having then, a good game. He was yeah, having a great game. game. Then you lost Josh Wiley due to a knee injury. you lost you lost all guys, I believe within the span of one quarter, including three of your very best players. and you still go out and put up that fight when in, in the second half when the offense had look, looked look dead. I, and I'll kind of sneak peek because you said about Vrabel. I've been fairly critical of Vrabel this year for a lot of, you know, the stuff that's gone on and some of his decisions. But the way that team came together today in that second half, after everything had gone, nothing was going the team's way. Look it was Spire going way out of control, but they still come back and forth overtime. And, and with where this team is right now, you got to be proud of that fight. You got to be proud. And at this point, all I'm really hoping at this point is that the players are indeed okay. I wouldn't, would I bet Stonehouse is injured really badly. Yeah, you know, and I wouldn't. But you know, if, for him and everyone else, I just hope the injuries are are okay. And if we, if everyone needs to sit for the rest of the year because of them, so be it. So
0: be it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. With that said, let's get to our final segment of Catfish and Ice, episode two eleven. Going to lighten the load a little bit here. Going to. Countdown, our top evil head coaches in sports movies. And I'm about to share one that start my list right here. First of all, everyone loves the movie Waterboy, right?
1: Never watched
0: it. You never saw Waterboy with Adam Sandler?
1: No, I've never seen it. And honestly, some of
0: these movies that you bring, I, I, I may have not seen, just seeing it right now. So, Coach Red in Waterboy. First of all, this the actor the actor for this guy was a, a musician as well. But um, Waterboy with Adam Sandler. He, the, uh, Coach Red, is the evil head coach on the other side. Oh my god, I cannot believe you've never seen Waterboy, Max. Oh my gosh, you got to go watch this as soon as this podcast is over. He all is right. number five on my list is Coach Red from the Waterboy. He mocks, uh, he mocks the Waterboy constantly. I mean, why are we making fun of the water boy? I mean, the water boy is very important to every sports yeah. team. Everyone's got to stay hydrated here. Anyone who's seen the water boy knows that Coach Red in the water boy is worthy of being one of the most evil head coaches in sports movies. Yeah, and, you know, I
1: wish I could add, but I've never seen the movie. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, although, you're, you're... Yeah, although heckling the water boy of all people is pretty cruel. Like, yell at your players all you want, but man, what are the what's the water boy
0: doing to deserve all that hate? All right. He cra- he, he starts my list right now is, is Coach Red from the water boy. Uh, Max, give me one of yours. Number five,
1: I said um, was Norman Normandale from the movie Hoosiers. Have you heard of that oh, okay. one?
0: Okay. Yeah, for sure. Classic. Yeah. And,
1: you know, just. One of those things, nothing too serious. You know, he was just kind of classic coach where you know, kind of his way or the highway. Didn't really care whether or not any of the players liked him, but you know, look, kind of rough in his approach. But you know, one of those guys where it's like it has got to get results, and you know, for it's always a little tough because you know, you always kind of want to find the best balance of separating the person coach, and you want to still be a good person if you can. But you know, Norman Clear didn't care about that, and you know, I guess it's good if good thing got results, but. A little questionable, but that's pretty much it. I don't think my, but yeah, I don't know if any of my um, rankings here are going to be as in depth as yours, but that was my number five right there. (laughs)
0: All right, that's good. That's fine. That's good. All right, here's mine. All right, we're a hockey podcast. You better have seen the Mighty Ducks at least.
1: Yeah, I've seen that one.
0: Okay, so Coach Riley. Yeah, Coach Riley is the evil head coach that goes against Gordon Bombay. He's the, he's Gordon Bombay's former head coach who cut him then he goes up against his former head coach we've all seen mighty ducks right we've all seen yeah. mighty ducks. all right yeah. so coach riley makes my next evil head coach list on my movies here coach riley there from mighty ducks i got to watch that movie that's one of those movies i haven't seen in a while um coach riley and then he's just mocking gordon bombay the entire movie uh his players play dirty and then of course it's just i mean just look at him he looks so evil he's just yeah. he's perfect and then people might argue with me that i don't have uh the the nemesis head coach in mighty ducks 2 on here but here's the reason why in in d2 in my, in, in mighty ducks uh 2 episode, uh, episode 2 the opposing head coach actually ends up shaking the hand of gordon bombay mm-hmm. at the end and shows some humility this guy, Coach Riley, in number one, is a complete asshole the entire movie. So he makes my list easy. He was the first head coach I thought about when I thought about this.
1: Yeah. That's Classic good one. movie, would, though. I would say number my number four is also a hockey movie. It's Slapshot. It's Reggie Dunlop. Oh, yeah. Yep. Kind of the same Another reason as the one before. Just the kind of person he is and kind of just the ways he would get to make his team win games is, one of those things where it was a lot, but you know he had to get results, and that was, and that was it. Just didn't again, didn't care what anyone thought, but just had to do what he could, and didn't matter anything else. But he, he did what he did, and that was it,
0: for sure. Okay, I'm about to blow your mind on this one, Max. Right. This one is a, I can't believe this movie is this old. It kind of makes me feel old. Next one up. Let me get to it here. All right, before I pull it up, we've all seen the movie Dodgeball, right? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I remember that. All
0: right. The famous Ben Stiller character from the movie Dodgeball, classic movie, with Vince Vaughn, come on now. I mean, just what were they called? The purple cobras is over there called? What was it I, I don't remember, remember, but I, I do. Mem- I, I I do I do remember him though. He was quite a character. I will say that nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah, Dwight Goodman. Dwight Goodman was his name. Classic and he was the player head coach cuz you know he actually played too but yeah the head coach of Do- in dodgeball against vince bonds uh, um dodgeball team classic movie super evil nobody makes me bleed my own blood It was is one of the best comedy lines ever so he jumped up on my list there dwight goodman from the movie dodgeball you, my number 3 is that my Go number ahead, three yeah. is actually gonna be
1: one that you it's kind of near and dear to my heart. It's Herman Boone from Remember the Titans.
0: Oh. Herman Boone. Oh, you really? Yeah. You thought he was evil? Just like and the way he went
1: about, and again, you know, a lot of my thoughts are, you know, just kind of the a lot a lot of what I'm saying, you know, is a lot of what kind of how a lot of coaching goes. It's just really harsh and just um the super super dense. Also, one of the areas I thought kind of got to me was that he would the one of the things he would preach was setting aside. Um, he would preach the players to set aside their racial differences to make sure they knew they were a team. That was where it's like, no, oh, yeah, you got you, you got you to go there. All time classic sports movie though. Remember the Titans? Yeah, it was like, that's how you gotta, it's like that's how you got. It's like that's how you got to preach unity. Okay, but man, yeah, I'm with you there, man.
0: But that, that was- that's one of those sports movies that I've seen it probably 50 times. And I can watch it 50 more. Wouldn't be a problem. All right. I'm about to throw. All right. Here's my last one here. It's on the top of my list. Max, you don't see this one coming. I know you don't. Okay. No one sees this one coming. It's it's totally out of left. <laughs> also, you've only done three. Is this your final one? Or- yeah, this is my final one. I just did four. Okay. All right. Here's my final one right here. Swackhammer from Space Jam, the head coach. Oh of the yeah, Monstars, yep, yep, yep. The head coach of the Monstars in in Space Jam. I mean, what gets more evil than Swackhammer? I I didn't even remember his name. I had to go look it up. But when I was thinking about most evil head coaches, for some reason, as a thir- as a as a thirty five year old who grew up remembering when Space Jam first came out, and I was a Michael Jordan fanatic. Growing up in the 90s. And I remember when Space Jam came out. And I remember for some reason, I remembered this evil villain of a head coach. I could not remember his name. I had to look it up today. It is Swack Hammer. What a name. Swack Hammer from Space Jam. Type it in your Google right now if you don't remember who the hell I'm talking about right now. Swack Hammer is the top of my list on my most evil head coaches from movies. From right. Space Jam. All right. Well, I think my my number one is gonna
1: throw you for a loop. I don't know how to throw you for a loop, but my number one, I said Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. and I, for one reason, because I remember how he would how he would use his inexperience to try and sink the team, and anyone who does that, not trying to win, that's a that's hard for me to to. Except so Ted you were you didn't weren't serious it looked like about your team winning and that's that's a disgrace to me and I got to put you number one for that above all else might be kind of a lame reason but
0: that's no where I'm going I mean with. hey it's all good so there's our evil head coaches right there I went totally lame and went space jam Max went a little bit more serious with his picks <laughs> but either bit. way all right, let's end it with this. Who is the most unlikable head coach in the NHL right now? Is it Mike Babcock? Right. I know he's not a head coach right now, but Don is, Tortorello? That's
1: who I was going to bring up. Is he, is he coaching? He's coaching Don the Flyers, Taylor. right?
0: Yeah, I think. He's coaching the Flyers, yeah. I, I know yeah. Mike, Mike Babcock, Babcock isn't. He's a, I think he's, I, and I think he's it's a good coach, but.
1: And he's a good coach who just won a cup, but Bruce Cassidy kind of gets on my nerves sometimes.
0: Yeah, I would say it's definitely, if we're talking current head coaches, it's probably John Tortorella. Yeah. If it's not current, Mike Babcock gets a lot of hate. And rightfully so for a lot of reasons, but. Yeah. I'm trying to
1: look and think if there are any more head coaches that are unlikable, but that's. Yeah, I would probably say I'd probably have to say John Tortorella.
0: Yeah, he gets. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have a big fan club. Let's put it that way.
1: No.
0: All right. With that said, we are going to let you go here from episode 211 of Catfish and Ice, brought to you by DraftKings, with your host Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Hope you had a great time. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel if you're watching there. Hit follow on our x account or on facebook until then everyone take care stay safe have a great week we appreciate you watching see you guys